Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. Back here for the number three on our new way of showing the podcast. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the video format if you have been watching on YouTube or Facebook, as well as in the traditional sense on the podcast app as well. We thought we'd jump on today and do this episode off the back of some really awesome data we got from one of our athletes recently, Nicola, who just finished his Three Peaks Challenge. It was building up from end of last year into the Three Peaks Challenge a couple of weeks ago. We actually tested him on Monday and saw his VO2 max was up by a huge 24% and only, only a four-month turnaround. So outstanding results, the highest his VO2 has been since he has been working with us uh, over the last couple of years as well. So really, really stoked for him and that result. But we thought it's a perfect time to talk about how do we know what training we need to do when we do assess someone? Uh, how do we know what training we need to do to then be able to get them to the point at which they're fully prepared for their event? So what we want to talk about first is when we are looking at an athlete working towards their goal race, their goal event, whatever type of activity they're, they're training for, what's the first step? How do we know what sessions to actually give that athlete to make sure they improve their better too? reach their peak performance, achieve their goal, etc. Yeah, I mean, obviously the goal is to reach peak performance so that they, they are successful in whatever they're trying to do. So um, with anything, it's, it's always a needs analysis. And it's regardless, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Like I say, we get kayakers, we get anybody, like, you know, mountaineers, we get people that want us to help improve their performance. We don't coach those type of people, but it's really at the same time, it's just a needs analysis. So using Nicola as an example, he's coming off the back of, you know, he does half Ironman distance, so or four and a half, just over four and a half hours is his yeah. PB. Uh, and we're going to go do a three peaks event with the goal of you know what eleven hours, 11, about eleven, 11 hours, hours wasn't it? 11 so half, yeah. more than double the the duration. We just do a needs analysis. So um, using that example, it's pretty clear that we're going to have to work on on the base training phase and, and get the get the volume up there. So what what does three peaks involve? It's not going to be a threshold. So all right, we've got eleven hours of duration. Intensity is definitely less than a half Ironman. It's probably somewhere around you know sixty seventy percent VO two max. Um, what are the key components? Aerobic capacity is more important than aerobic power. We have to complete the distance rather than necessarily yep. complete it very fast. Um, so it's just looking at the event from an outside perspective and being which fitness components are important. You know, and in this circumstance, it was obviously going to be aerobic capacity. You know, lactate threshold, maybe a little bit on the hills. All yep. right, there's hills. So yep. that's again another thing. What's the terrain like? Um, so look at the sport. What do you need to be successful at that distance or that event? Um, and then work backwards from there. Yeah, cool. So. Performing a bit of a needs analysis, understand the components of the event is going to give you that that path of what we actually need to do to get prepared and be as specific as possible. In that regard, then three peaks, like I said, slightly different in terms of duration to a seventy point three, different to a marathon, different to a kayak event. Always have different needs. Does that change the the length of time we need to prepare ourselves for prior to going to that event to make sure we hit that peak performance, or is it all going to be we all need six months it's just a closed window of that's how long you've you've got to prepare for an event or does it change based on those needs yeah i mean obviously it's going to change and it's uh, number one step is do some baseline testing whether that's with us or by yourself it doesn't matter but you need to get a baseline and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are behind that it sort of just reminded me of, of something there like if you're a, let's say you're a swimmer and then you want to do running well you're using different muscle groups so you're going to need to allow more time because you need to adapt a different muscle group it makes sense so um, step one one is to do a fitness testing battery get a baseline and then from that um, what, what, are, what are your strengths, what were you really good at, which fitness components were really strong, which were weak, which ones are important to get to optimal, to, to reach your goal, and then focus on them. Yeah. So in terms of then determining the amount of time we need to prepare, how do we know if an athlete only needs three months before their event to be, to be ready? How do we know if they need six longer? Yep. 
um, based on what event or goal yeah. they're trying yeah. to achieve. Yeah, so uh, look, obviously it's easy when we do lab testing in here because we can physically see the oxygen consumption that's being used. We can see how good your aerobic base is or your aerobic capacity versus your aerobic power versus your lactate threshold. So short answer is, hey, come see us, no dramas. We can, mm. we can sort it out. If you can't come see us, then it's really just sort of teeing into, it's like sort of figuring out, you know, training history, all right? Uh, how many how many times have you done three peaks before? How many marathons have you yeah. done? If you've done six or seven marathons over four years, look, you're probably not going to need as long a base and build phase as somebody who's doing it for the first time. So you can't be as specific when you do field testing, but you come into this, you just come in with a mindset of, all right, what's my training history like? What's my injury history like? Can you tolerate the load? Yeah. And you can get a pretty good idea of how, you, how long you need. So um, using Nicola as the example, uh, it was four months anyway, that's all we had. That's how much time we had. And obviously Nick was the one coaching, so I can't take credit for this, this is all him. Um, he had never done that sort of distance before so needs analysis there says hey we need to do some volume uh, and the specific intensity is relatively low because it's mm -hmm. just going to be get through the distance uh, with a couple little short not short and sharp but obviously there's three peaks in there isn't there so there's going to be a little bit of stuff close to to threshold um, if he had done three peaks before he could have got away with three months training if he had done nothing if he hadn't even done 70.3s before no training history whatsoever came at a low base level of fitness and you're going to look at six seven or eight months so figure out how much time you need in the base phase, what is your base already like? If it's good, three months is probably gonna be fine. If it's not good, well, then we're looking at sort of six to seven. Yeah. So overall, if we're, if we're trying to, particularly that volume aspect, by that, takes a lot longer to develop in our physiology than the, the shorter, sharper stuff. So giving that time prior, if you are going for those big distances, the one that springs to mind is, is Carl, who I also coach, who did three peaks as well, but came off the back of New Zealand coast yeah. to coast, massive volume almost 16 hour event over two days he then went into a, a four week sort of tune up for three peaks and was fine we didn't do a lot of volume more just worked on the intensity side of things he then went sub 10 so difference there where he did all his volume prior may not have been 100% on the bike in that volume but because he's done that long period beforehand yeah tweaking it for the bike was a little bit easier he didn't need such a we didn't need to go oh now we're gonna wait another three months before we do a big cycling event he's already built that let's just yeah. focus on the shorter stuff quicker to it. Just quickly on that, for those playing at home, what were the distances for the coast to coast? Pretty much the, the event summed up is you go from one side of New Zealand to the other. I know there's definitely 70 kilometres of kayaking in it. I'm probably going to get the bike and run distances wrong, but everything else is made up of trail running and then flat road cycling. So yep. uh, one side of New Zealand to the other, it, it took him 16 hours. He's a, he's a pretty fairly solid athlete overall. Yep. He, he can move on the bike as well. So yeah, in terms in terms of how far we go, you imagine how how long it might yeah. take you. It's it's quite a long way, much bit much bigger than sort of well, that's it. And you look traditional at, event. Yeah, and you look at the training history used to be used to represent New Zealand in trackside. Yeah, freak. So he's a, he's a gun <laughs> already. So genetically, he's good. He's coming off the back of a fair fair length of time. How long Huge. was he? Yeah, we started that build for coast to coast middle of last year. Yeah, so more than six yeah. months of of consistent training beyond, I'd say, you have to correct me on this, but beyond 10, 15 hours a week for a lot of it. I yeah, thought. we're up at 22, 24 by the end of it. Yeah, so you're not Huge. gonna need, yeah, you have a bit of downtime. He's mm. got the genetics there anyway. He's got the all the all the structures and the muscles are there. Um, he just needs to do a quick bit of fine tuning. So you don't need to have a massive build yeah. off the back of that. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. So I guess leading off that, we sort of work through what do we actually need to, we've identified the, the parts of an athlete that we need to train. We've identified potentially how long they need to train for. How do we then know what sessions to then implement at the right time? And I think this is the one that a lot of athletes ask us all the time. 
what should I be doing at this part of my training plan versus in six weeks' time versus in three months' time when I'm getting close to the event? How does it differ? How do I know what I should be doing? And then types of sessions that we could choose. Yeah, I mean, this is where it's always you know, a little bit tricky at times. Um, it all comes off the back of the needs analysis, as we said. Look, I'm not going to go into exactly what each zone is, so on and so forth. We've got heaps of content out there. Just chuck the link in the comments mm. below so we can so you can send it off that. Um, but look, it's if you're in the base, you work backwards. Let's reverse engineer it. What date is the event? All right, this is the event. If it's going to be pretty fatiguing, you know, more than four hours, we're probably going to want that full taper, which we spoke about last week. So let's say we've got 10 days of taper. We're going to have a two-week peak. And then depending on what your strengths and weaknesses were, somewhere between a four and eight-week build, which is going to be that specific, you know, threshold zone three stuff into zone, maybe fraction of zone five, depending on how you're going. Mm-hmm. And then everything prior to that will be base okay so that base period is going to change depending on again your training history um what's your base fitness already like if it's already good then we could probably just do four weeks of base straight into a build if it's coming off a low base you've had some time off maybe it's your first marathon versus your 15th marathon then we might want to extend that out up to about 12 weeks so generally speaking i'd say a full base build peak is somewhere around you know six to eight months absolute tops more than that and we're just sort of trying to you know figure out what we're doing so in terms of sessions base we know zone two zone four so easy uh, in the absence of lactic acid we want to build your aerobic capacity zone four is your vo2 stuff three on three off two on two off four on four off again if this is news to you guys find the links below because we've talked yeah, about jump, jump on the the mets mastermind group if you're not already in it we've already got heaps of content specifically on this going into mm-hmm. those sessions in more detail so we are skipping over it a little bit here because we will be repeating ourselves if we go through too much yep. but yeah, useful links. I'll chuck them down below so you can have a look at that as well. Yeah, cool. So then we go to the build, and that's again specific. So zone three thresholds, maybe a fraction of zone five, but that's more of the peak. We're gonna get the peak. We start to drop the volume off. Be specific, as specific to the event as you yeah. possibly possibly can. If you're doing three peaks, specificity actually probably means zone two as opposed to zone three. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something that's three hours in length, then you would be in that zone three. So being as specific as you can with a t- tiny bit of really short, sharp, high intense zone three stuff, um, and then you get your fifty percent off for your, your peak and take off for your taper period there. So in terms of the sessions, and it's sort of coming to the next question because uh, what should I do? Should I do, should I run by time or cycle by time or what's my rest period? Is it distance, is it time? What's, how long is too long? So on and so forth. So um, playing at home, if you've ever Googled 1K repeats yeah. or 1K effort or anything like that, yeah. we come up number one with one of our blog posts. It's the most uh, viewed blog. page yeah, on, our, on our website. Um, and it was it was titled the why 1k repeats is a misguided interval set okay yeah. and it's quite controversial but it's one of those ones that everyone does 1k repeats i know i'm going from cycling to running here but let's use that as an example everybody does 1k repeats and 1k repeats are fine if you know what the goal of that session is um it's misguided because it, it, if you depending on whether you go by distance time and the intensity and the rest period how long is the rest period is it a walk is it a float is it is it a you know mm-hmm. it changes the goal of the session it completely changes the demand of the session so i think a typical one 1k repeat that someone will do is all right we're going to run 1k and we're going to do it probably at or just above your threshold pace yeah ftp 60 second float recovery and we go again all right so 1k on 60 seconds off 1k on 60 seconds off so on and so forth maybe you do five there's a few problems with that 
1K, you started, one is distance, so 1K on 60 seconds off. How long does it take you to run a K? Yeah. Okay, you know, we've got, you know, Tyler is not here today, he's gonna to run a K in three minutes flat. So he's gotta to work to rest ratio of three on, one off, three minutes on, one minute off. You go get a beginner who's just started out running and, and they do a 1K repeat in six minutes. All right, six minutes on, one minute off. Now it's a six to one work to rest ratio. It completely changes the energy system. Good luck holding FTP for six minutes, or above yeah. FTP for six minutes. We know that we've never seen anyone go above seven in yeah, FTP. Yeah, that really short recovery too. Yeah, bugger that. Do that. You're gonna gonna blow yourself up. So what happens if you're doing a six minute one k? You start off strong, you get slower, you get slower. Perceived exertion goes up, but your pace gets slower. It's a really poor stimulus. Mm. So, so should we do that session? You can, but all right. Either do distance and distance or time and time. So you could do 1K on, 200 float, because at least that float, for the person who's doing 6 minute K, that's still going to be a slow float, yep. right? So at least yep. it's consistent with your work to rest ratios. Um, the alternative is why don't we just do it by time? Why don't you say, all right, uh, you've got a gun who's doing 3 minute Ks, all right, you're going to run 3 minutes at 3 minute Ks, and then you can have a 60, 60 second rest if you want. If that's, and again, it's going to come down to being specific, which I'll cover in a sec, but 3 minutes on. Yep. 60 seconds off, that's good. Why is it good? Well, one, we've controlled the work to rest ratio, and we say, all right, if we want a three to one work to rest ratio, which is gonna be a pretty good threshold session, then all mate who's doing six minutes can now maybe, all right, they get two minutes off, six on, two minutes off. Now, at least it's the same across the board, which is a common problem when we do group coaching is that, you know, whoever's the slowest struggles the most because they get less rest. The other thing why time is really effective is because if you've got this guy doing three minute Ks and they get fitter, uh, and they can now do 245 minute Ks, which is quick. If you're saying 1K repeats, well, you've just reduced the load from three minute Ks to 245. So every interval set, you've got 15 seconds of less time at your desired intensity, yeah. okay? Because you're not working yeah. any harder, you're still at whatever, 90%, mm. yeah? But your 90% is now better because you're fitter. So you've got 245 on and you might still have 60 off. So your work to rest ratio is changing. So if you just set a time, I'm gonna hold three minutes at whatever the intensity you want with the same rest, it's gonna be consistent across the board. You don't wanna reduce your load as you get fitter, you wanna get more fit, Yeah. okay? It'll be okay if you did, all right, let's do six reps, and now oh, you get into 245 instead of three, all right, let's add in a seventh, then, all right, we've increased the load. Mm. But if you just go by either of the two, you can see the problem. It's either you're reducing the yep. time as you get fitter, or if you go by time and then, so you go by distance and time, or how long does it take you to get that distance done? Mm. So. It's a misguided interval set because I don't think people understand what the goal of that is. And if you can, it's same with any session, it doesn't matter what we're doing. If you yeah. can describe the goal of that session, then it's a tick in the box. I don't care if you're doing 200s, 400s, a K or 5K efforts. As long as you know what that session is designed to do, and that's well aligned with being specific to the needs analysis we just did. Mm. Um, so on the back of that, what, why don't I? Why do, why do I say it's a misguided interval set? Well, if we want to do VO two intervals, zone four. Again, if you ever watched our stuff, yeah, we love we these love intervals. <laughs> what do we need to do? We need to accumulate time at VO two max while minimising the anaerobic contribution, which is the lactic acid. So we do ninety five percent of our VO two max, which is quick, and we have a one to one work to rest ratio. So two on two off, three on three off, four on four off. It's gonna take a while for us to get to 95% because of the lag period of our heart rate, etc. Yep. Might take us 45 seconds to get up there. If it's a two minute interval, then we get a minute 15 at VO2. All right, we wanna to get to about 10 minutes of time at VO2. But if we then have a, let's say we do three on 60 seconds off, it's three minutes on at 
desired pace and then 60 seconds off you probably get through two or three intervals okay at the right pace but one your legs are going to be heavy so a lot of lactic acid bad stimulus and mitochondria and that's the goal of the session and two as you go more and more and more you're not going to be able to hold pace or even if you can probably a good sign that you should be going faster in the first place yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but even if you can you're going to get less stimulus there's no benefit going harder we just want to get stimulus at 95 percent flush out the lactic acid because that's bad for the mitochondria and repeat, just get to 10 minutes of time at VO2 and that's an optimal session, all right? There's no points for going 98% or 100% or 105%, yeah. all right? There's no benefit in doing it. So why would you give yourself more load, more injury risk when you can do less to actually get more stimulus? So a lot of little jargon going around here, but the point is that um, a 1K repeat for most people is gonna fall in that range of not two minutes, but you know, two to four, three mm. to four. So if you want to do a VO2 session, your base phase, you're better off having a one-to-one work to restoration. You're walking yep. to get rid of lactic acid, you get better stimulus. If you want to do a threshold session, then um, you could do 1K. If that's specific. If you're a 1,500 meter runner, buddy, do 1K. It's how yep. days. If you're a marathon runner, half marathon runner, um, time trial cyclist, crit racer, etc. maybe not crit, I'll come back to that in a sec, then why do a K, which is sort of three to six, when you could do something more specific, like, all right, if I'm gonna do a half marathon, well, you're probably on the limit for, you know, more than an hour. So let's mm. go do a 10 on at that similar pace with a five off, you know, a two to one work to rest ratio, or a, or a 10 on, uh, a, ten, uh, a 20 and a 10, or whatever it is, something that's a bit more specific um, to the demands and the needs analysis of that event. Um, that being said, look, there's nothing wrong with, with those sessions. I, I, What's the positive about a 1K repeat off short recovery? It's fun, generally, you know. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's good variety. Uh, it's easy to manage in large groups. But as I said before, even in group scenario, you're better off going sure distance and distance. Yeah, yeah, distance and distance or time and time. Don't mix them up because that's going to really change the work to rest ratio um, for each individual. Yeah. I think the key, the key off that, that, that sort of highlight is it's work to rest ratio. That, that's probably your starting point for all of this is you change that work to rest. We have, a, we have one-to-one work to rest ratio, so equal work to equal rest, and that rest right back down to all the way at low intensity, working right up at 95% max, is a very different session to if we have two minutes on, one minute off. Very different session to three minutes on, one minute off. We're, we're manipulating how much working time versus how much resting time, but it, it changes, Change the physiology involved in our sessions. And if anyone's tried, if you try and hold maximum for three minutes and then you go run, for, you go jog for a minute and then you try and do it again, it's so hard to be able to maintain that intensity. So we need that equal recovery. If that's not the aim of the session, then we change the work to rest. If we're trying to get that fatigue and legs and tolerate it, mm. more about that shorter recovery. And that's why guys will do like five, 10 minute efforts. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about this is, is it more specific to go and do, you mentioned sort of 1500 meter runner, great, we can go and do a 1K repeat, but what would a marathon runner do instead? You sort of mentioned they probably wouldn't be as specific. What interval would they likely do that's probably gonna give them a better stimulus anyway? Similar adaptation in terms of that tolerance to the fatigue, but what's a better set of numbers to be working off? Do we wanna do 1K repeats? Do we wanna do longer interval? Do you wanna do maybe shorter stuff? Yeah, I mean, look, a couple of factors. Um, you got to enjoy your sessions too. So yep. you got to ad- adherence is really important to program. Mm-hmm. Like I-, I love giving out twenty minutes on race pace, you know, yep. or even a fraction above, with a ten minute jog recovery and endurance. So that is such a great session. It's so stimulating. It's very very specific, but it's mentally pretty boring, boring bloody hard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's bo- well, yeah, boring yeah, and hard. Yeah. You couldn't do that eight weeks in a row. Yeah. no one would do it. They'd yep. get sick of it. So 
what's another what's another variety well it's really like all right we're doing threshold so we want two to one or less rest so two to one which could be uh, i'm just going to use examples here um it could be three minutes on one minute off that's a that's a three to one or sorry two to one's two on one off three on one off four on one off whatever you want to have less rest than you do effort because the whole goal of a threshold session, for example, is lactic acid in, partial recovery, back in, back in, back in. But we want to keep the pace up there, but we don't want to be stupidly exhausted by the end of the session either. So um, in terms of what, what a, a better interval is, longer is better probably for your longer runs up there, but you're still going to do probably one track set a yep. week. Um, and yep. what that can be is, hey, it can be 1K repeats. I don't care. Just make sure that uh, the, the effort time and the rest time is in line with with a threshold session. So um, one that we often do is you know, five on, two and a half off. That's, yep. that's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Is it a walk or a jog recovery? Well, it depends how far beyond threshold have you gone. Like if you if you want to hold 110% threshold for five minutes, you're gonna be pretty knackered. You're probably gonna have to walk a minute and then jog a minute and a half, all right? Or yep. do you hold right on it, right on your 100% FTP and then you can actually jog your two and a half, right? How do you overload that session? More, you know, maybe you go to six minutes, still keep that two and a half, or do you keep five minutes and then go down to two? Again, what's more specific, number one, and also what's more enjoyable, because that's that's really important. So you can't really go wrong. Threshold's really quite easy to, to train because it's just lactic acid in, lactic acid out. But you just want to make sure you're overloading it, keeping the athlete interested, yep. um, and making sure that it's specific to the demands of, of what you're doing. Um, does that cover it? Yeah, I think so. That's that's pretty pretty much it. It's hitting hitting that on the head in terms of it is really quite simple. It's just manipulate that work to rest ratio. It's, it's changing this focus of the session, but you apply that to the appropriate time, and that's where we do see those big, yeah. big results. I mean, with coming back to Nicole's example of of three peaks, we gave him one of those VO two intervals because we ne- we need aerobic side of things to be right up there. That's his high intensity, the one on one off. But then once we got close, we started moving into those shorter recoveries. He's doing hill repeats. He's getting very, very specific into the fact that he now has to climb, short rest on a little false flat, climb again, rest on the on the descent, climb again. Again, we can manipulate it around that work around how long do we think the climb is? The climb 20 minutes, and then we get a 10 minute rest because it's 10 minutes downhill, and then again, all yeah. these factors start to come into it. Yeah, so you just want to be really specific, and, and so I don't want to hone in too much more, mm-hmm. but if you look at like a, a crit racing example where it's sort of stop and start and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. that's where you know you can do really short stuff, you know, with um, like should you do a walk or a jog recovery? It's such a, it's, yeah, what should you do? Yeah, again, it depends what, what, what the goal is. If you can, for a marathon runner, you're better off doing a jog recovery in the in the threshold phase because you don't you want to keep slightly elevated lactic acid levels, right? You want to be able to get back to that intensity quite quick. Um, but if you're doing something like 1500 meter running, why would you do a jog recovery? Yeah, it's not going to happen. You want to go flat out for a K, and then you want to have pretty much full recovery and go yeah, again. Do it again, so, yeah. Um, lots of little things on there. It's not that complicated, but it's just think what do you need? What's specific? What do you need to do? And and what we're trying to get across with any session that you do is just be specific. Yeah. Be specific and know what the goal of the session is. Is it a zone two? Is it a, is it a threshold? Yeah. Is it a VO2 yeah, max session? To it, yeah. If it's a VO2 max session, you should be walking and having proper recovery mm. because you cannot maintain, I don't care who you are, you're not maintaining 95% for 20 minutes if you're having very short recovery. And yeah. if you think you can, um, then your fitness has changed because it's so dynamic. You know, yeah. your three minute Ks might be your 95% now yeah. in four weeks time, might be it actually might be different. 245. Mm. You hold three minute Ks, is easy. Well, that's your threshold pace now, close enough yeah. too. So it's, yeah. it's so dynamic. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. I guess last thing to to go through before we do wrap up, and this is something that we do, we hear quite a lot just through talking to people and hearing around. Um, and we've still spoken a lot about interval training. We touched on a bit about when volume is a specific aspect to, to training with Nicola and, and three peaks in those longer events with Carl, etc., where volume is key. But 
I just want to get your thoughts on the notion that Mets as a whole, our, our philosophy is low volume, all about high intensity interval. One, is it is it true, or two, when, when do we add that volume in, and, and when is it when is it used? Because it's something that we do do yep. here quite a bit. Do we just do interval training? Are we all about that. Yep. As opposed to volume, and when does volume come in handy? Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, as you look externally, you've never, if you've never talked to us before and you just looked at us on social media, you probably think, yeah, these guys are they're, they're, they're throwing a spanner in the works, and all they do is VO2 intervals to make an Ironman athlete really great, which is, you know, it's just not right. So, it, again, it comes back to the needs analysis and what your physiological strengths and weaknesses are. Like, the, in the endurance industry, the majority of athletes that come to us already, they've already got a very good base because everyone understands yep. the importance of base training phase. So if you come in here with a massive base, you can, you can no worry, you can run your marathon already very slowly, but you can run it. Mm. If you can complete the distance fine, then the answer is that we want to complete the distance more quickly. So if you come in here and we say that you've got a really good aerobic capacity, but then you don't have a good aerobic power, there's no benefit in doing 20, 25, 30 hours of long slow. Yep. You get That's a physiological strength. You might get one or 2% gains by focusing on your physiological strength, but you know, you're doing 95% of your stuff long slow volume, your aerobic power and your threshold is generally pretty ordinary. So mm. we can get a 10, 15, 20% gain by doing shorter, sharper intervals. So we've had people who've come from 20 hours to eight hours and they've improved by 10, 15%. Um, but on the flip side, it's not always the case. It's always nice when you can improve someone, you know, 10, 15% in, in the four to six weeks. Yeah. But if we had somebody who came in with a poor base, and I guess we can just see it, we just do a, do a treadmill test, do a bike test, we see what their base is like. Um, if they come in with a poor base, then there's no there's no shortcuts. You have to do volume, yeah. right? and that happens quite a lot. And, and Nicole is probably a good example where there was no need for him to do you know, six, seven, eight hours of training because he was doing an event that took four and a half. But then, all right, he now needs to do it. His training history has never done that before. Um, we definitely need needs analysis. We need to do volume, and we did that. And his top end didn't change. And maybe we can do a screenshot and share the data. Yeah. But if Nicole's happy with that, find yeah. out first. Yeah. Um, his top end didn't change, but his his base, his fraction of expired was I don't know what the percentage was. But it was probably twenty five percent better. It was heaps, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it all moved. I mean, it, it just pushed the what we see is we we just see that graph shift to the right. So really, his. Ability at the bottom end was just, he was able to just maintain that same efficiency, if you like, we'll keep it nice and simple, of his ability to use oxygen just got way better in those longer, slower intensities. The top end, it was still declining and such in the same the same way, the same yeah. path. But, so, you know, I mean, in next phase of training, if we're looking at his next event, maybe do we go, all right, let's focus on that top end to improve that aspect now, because yeah, exactly. it, it is his weakness now, as opposed to being potentially yeah. strength before. So that's where... You just look at it from the next step and go, what's the next phase of training like? Well, that's right. If you're thinking like, all right, top, this is the goal of previous and this is him now. So this is um, basically once we get to the top here, that's his VO2 max, right? So he started at a lower level. So the, the graph was the same. It just shifted down and it, it spikes up, spikes up. I want to make sure I'm still on screen. It spikes up. This was his this was his absolute max. His muscles couldn't use up any more oxygen, mm. but we still got a bit of a bit of wiggle room further. and it worked out to be 24% more. Um, and that was just because he had a big change in his base and yeah. it's because we, we did that we went and did you know well you, you told him to do 11 12 you know 30 we're doing like seven hour rides on the on the weekend yeah bit, some big big sessions in there yeah and, and it's the same thing we saw i mean we saw it in carl as well came in hadn't done an ultra event before really does a big ultra endurance off-road event coast to coast we did all of that that volume work similar similar progression is coming into test in next week so hopefully we'll see that change but in terms of we're going to see that bottom end help us towards the top. Yeah. 
because if we have that good foundation to start with, those early workloads super comfortable, easy. Once we get to those higher workloads, exactly. rather than put on 30 watts at the top at VOC max, 360 instead of yeah. 330, because we're using more oxygen. Yeah. So in answer to that question, we are not anti-high volume. We, we are about training smart. Mm. What are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you need to be good at for your event? We focus on the weaknesses, which it just so happens that 80% of people that we see are already good at aerobic base. So why do we do more aerobic base? We don't. We do other stuff. Yeah. Shorter, sharper stuff. Yeah. You come in with a poor base, we're going to do base. So that's not one or the other. It's what is, what can we do? We want to provide the minimum stimulus to get maximum adaptation. That's all about training smart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Just in quick sort of summary, it's it's all coming down to the, the goal of the athlete, specifically what we need to do. What areas of their physiology do we need to improve? Let's focus on those. That's going to give us an indication of how much time to spend and then manipulate those work-to-rest ratios to suit it. And again, it's not so much a case of we're one way or the other. It's the athlete's going to determine that. We just apply it to the situation and go, who needs what? Do you need that aerobic capacity? Do you need that extra volume work? Or is it more about the high intensity for you because it's the other way around in terms of strengths and weaknesses? It's all just, what's the scenario? Let's sum it up. What do we need? Move on. Um, there's not one right or wrong. As long as you can justify it and understand what the purpose is. Exactly. Find the purpose. And at the so right time. It's all good. Pretty much a winner. So what we'll do is we'll link the Mets Master, I know you referred to it a bit, down uh, down below. So if you want to check out some of our previous content, will explain a bit more about the, the zones and, and some more detail around those sessions. I might link as well that blog post on the 1K. Repeats is a good one. It goes through some of those sessions as well. If you want to check out our Instagram at Mets Performance to see some of Nicola's results, you're able to see his VO2 max change uh, and the actual data that we, we got, his VO2 previously in November versus now in March. Go have a look at that as well. Otherwise, that'll do for today's episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Hope you're enjoying these new versions with the videos as well. If you've got any questions, please let us know. Send them through to nick at metsperformance.com. 